Welcome back to the Lynx Golf Podcast. This is digital editor Al Lunsford with Lynx. I am joined today by a guest of mine who you might recognize. We we spoke uh, not at the last PGA show because the last PGA show was a virtual only event, but um, before the pandemic started, we Gordon DeGleish and I got together uh, at the PGA show in Orlando and talked a little bit about his background and experience. Uh, you could go back and listen to that episode to get more of a background on him. Uh, but today, Gordon again has joined me in the middle of an ice storm. Uh, so we hope that he doesn't mysteriously disappear during the middle of our recording. But thanks for joining me on the Lynx Golf Podcast again. Al, pleasure to be with you. It seems like uh, more than 14 months ago since we were together in uh, in Orlando. Yes, uh, doing fine. I'm in the middle of a little ice storm up here in northern North Carolina. But uh, this too shall pass, much like the pandemic, and uh, hopefully it will be in the rearview mirror sooner than, uh, sooner than later. Sure. Have you been playing any golf at all? Yeah, every so often. Fortunately, I would join a club, Danville Golf Club, which is a terrific small town Donald Ross golf course just north of me. And uh, uh, it's, a, it's a very, very pleasant golf course in remarkably good shape for a small town. And, uh, and, and been doing that and then back in Wilmington playing a little bit of golf. So, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, we've managed to pass our time and keep busy with work. So, uh, looking forward to the spring and uh, the summer ahead. Very good. And, uh, the timing of our podcast here is, is fortunate, uh, for someone who is looking to maybe take a golf trip to, uh, you live in North Carolina, but you're, you're from Scotland originally. And, and the topic of our conversation today is, trips to Scotland and Ireland, a collection of packages that your company, Perry Golf, has designed to cater to someone who wants to experience authentic Scotland or authentic Ireland. What's below the surface level of someone who thinks of a golf trip to those countries when the first thing that pops to their head is probably those open road of courses, right? So your St. Andrews, your True, and your Carnoustie, and so forth. But what I wanted to first ask you, when you think about the authentic experience in Scotland and you think about the authentic Irish experience, can you distinct between the two um, for someone who's thinking, you know, this or that, Scotland or Ireland for going to a trip? What are, what are the key, in your mind, differences to their authenticities? Yeah. So, so the authentic, I think it's important we try to kind of define that. And the idea behind the authentic collection um, was really, it was, it's kind of the, the lesser known golf courses in each country um, that we feel as though deliver. Um, and, and let me just kind of start by saying that it's important to recognize that the marquee courses, the old course, Carnoustie, Muirfield, Troon, et cetera, you know, they are, are terrific experiences. And, I, and then the intention of authentic is not to diminish these in any, in any way, shape or form. Um, the authentic are the, the lesser known golf courses, which probably don't see as many visitors as the, the, the open championship and, and uh, courses of that ilk uh, in, in Scotland. And, and particularly in Ireland, it's more the northwest of Ireland, but we can talk about that separately. Um, but it's golf courses that don't have as many visitors um, that probably have a, just a, a slightly warmer, because they have fewer visitors, there's more of an engagement with the membership, possibly. Uh, the visitors are, are arguably uh, more important to them. 
from a, a revenue standpoint, they want the welcome to be uh, as as authentic as possible. They're very much the, the members are engaged, the staff are more engaged um, at, at welcoming the, the the folks. And so, you know, it's it's hard to describe until you've. It's like when you go to a, a restaurant, there's kind of a bit of an unknown, and you come out and you leave at the end of the day, and you go, you know what, that was terrific, and it checked off all the boxes. And so, that really, when we introduce the authentic uh, collection I concept. It's really to, to, to raise the flag on different golf courses that we think that people may not know their name of just now, um, but they go and they, they play at a golf course, whether it be Pan Muir or, or Cruden Bay or Dunbar in East Lothian. Um, they, 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 after the day, they're leaving and they go, you know what, that was terrific. The golf was fabulous. The welcome was very warm. Um, it met, it, it's what I anticipated with Scotland, you know, maybe it's not an open championship course, but the, the the quality of the experience was was absolutely exceptional. So it's kind of one of these things. It's hard to define, but you know what it feels like when you've enjoyed it. Yeah, and what what you're kind of talking about the the lesser known courses. If you're thinking about a golf trip to Scotland or <laughs> Ireland in the near future, chances are uh, those trophy courses that that everyone knows and everyone wants to play have a pretty packed schedule based on 2020 having to, to push back their reservations um, to head overseas. If you're coming from the U S um, a lot of people who were supposed to play in 2020 are now going to play in 2021. So your chances of getting on are kind of diminished, but if you want to experience authenticity in these countries and, and golf where, you know, it's exactly what you're describing. It's exactly what you want. It checks all the boxes. Um, and, and you're talking about an experience that you may have read about in golf books where it's, it feels like someone you've known for much longer than you've been first introduced to when you walk into a clubhouse and you can kind of feel the soul of the game in these places. So a quest question for you in, in terms of these under-the-radar courses are there a couple that are favorites of yours that are that stick out to you in both scotland and ireland um that if you were to go and and do this trip yourself which ones would you want to play well um yes there's, there's a couple that come to mind i just think are kind of the quintessential uh examples of, of these one would be pan muir um i, I started this greenside chat program back in March of last year, just as a way of, of uh, sharing some of our knowledge of Scotland. And I just, I just completed a terrific interview with the, with the head golf professional at Pan Muir. And everything about Pan Muir, its proximity to Carnoustie um, is basically right next door. It's, it's history. You know, um, Ben Hogan practiced there before they won the Open at Carnoustie in the 1950s. Um, you know, it's had any number of, of, of regional and national championships in Scotland. The quality of the golf course, the conditioning of the golf course, the clubhouse is, a, is from Royal Calcutta. There was a, a strong uh, commercial tie between Dundee and Calcutta in India, and the clubhouse was built from some architecture there. So Panmuir, in many respects, just kind of epitomizes that. Another golf course in Scotland that <clears throat> excuse me, comes to mind is Dunbar. Um, terrific golf course down in East Lothian, 
I, I played, I, I've got fond memories of it because I played in the Scottish Boys there many, many years ago. Uh, the first three holes, kind of pedestrian, uh, two par fives and a par three back to the clubhouse. But then you go through the wall, if you will, and then you play 15 holes out and back in very traditional links format um, out uh, on the, uh, the River Forth. And, and uh, it's, it's a terrific links golf experience. Uh, the clubhouse, similarly, um, it, it just it's the whole thing is, is, is what you might put into the authentic category. Now, <clears throat> as you look in Ireland, um, most of the golf, just the way that Ireland's laid out, in terms of the name golf courses and what's around, most of them are, you know, on the, on the, on the coastline. Um, but we feel as though the kind of the authentic courses are really up in the Northwest where you've got the, the, the likes of, I mean, I actually have somebody I just spoke to recently from Ross Pena, which has got a terrific, terrific uh, history. It was the, uh, the first golf hotel in the world. And if, uh, there's a great bar room conversation for you. Um, Rossapena up in the northwest of Ireland, where they've got two courses now, and they're actually building a, a Tom Doak course. But in terms of Donegal, the friendliness of the area, the quality of the golf courses, the experience, you know, you, that would check off as well. And then there's you know Narran and Port New, which is also up in the north northwest, um, small town club that's been kind of refurbed and by Gil Hans. Also, you know, where members are very engaged, very appreciative of people coming to visit because so many people go, you know, international visitors um, go to uh, the southwest or to the north and they play Port Rush and County Down. Um, but, but you go up to the, the, north, the northwest of Ireland and like a Nairn and Port New, absolutely. The other thing I would emphasize, Al, is that the idea, you know, somebody might want to go and play exclusively authentic collection courses very possible but they might also want to kind of design a schedule where they play two or three uh, mixed in with more famous courses that's another way of doing it and being exposed to maybe a part of ireland and scotland that you otherwise wouldn't have seen if you'd kind of stayed with the more famous ones now you may well be kind of a, a, a trophy collector to some extent and you want to come back and talk about your day at this golf course or that golf course that's famous but at the same time, you may also want to come back and talk about the unexplained or the unexpected, rather, you know, terrific experience at wherever it might be, Nairn, Port New, or Dunbar, or Cruden Bay, et cetera. So, I mean, it just kind of depends on what that individual is looking for. I'm looking at your website right now, um, and I know you've put together, you know, kind of a sample tour if what you're talking about, if someone wants to go entirely under the radar courses, you ha you have sample itineraries for them to do that. Um, within the context of that, it, what you're saying is you could also put together something for someone where you touch a couple of these and then you touch a couple of the ones that are bucket lists that they definitely want to check off. Um, so they're kind of, they're kind of customizable is what you're saying. Absolutely. All of our all of our trips to the, the British Isles are, are, are customized. The reason that we put up the sample schedules on the website are just so that we can give people an idea of what's achievable and uh, they can get they can get pricing online and they can get a sense of it and they can share it with their friends. But at the end of the day, there'll always be some level of interaction with our staff. And so we can we can swap out golf courses on these schedules. 
Um, we can add golf courses. We can, you know, it's, it's, you know, and also to what you asked earlier about with respect to availability, you know, the, the British Isles in 21 and even more so in 22, the way I describe it as some of the marquee courses is kind of like five lanes of traffic merging into one where you've got uh, 2020 that didn't happen. You've got 21 that's still to some extent up in the air, certainly the, the early part of it uh, and how that all plays out. And then in 22, uh, when you're specifically talking about St. Andrews, we've got the open back there, which causes a, a shortage of tee times because the golf course closes for, for five weeks. So, uh, you know, it's, it's again, on the, on the flip side, where golfers have been kind of subjected to staying at home and not being able to travel, um, we feel as though people that just want to get out and want to experience what they've enjoyed before, but, you know, they're willing to willing to try something new because the most important thing for them is the camaraderie with their friends and family and traveling and experiencing new places and sights and sounds, that this is something to consider. You might not be able to get on the exact golf courses you want in 21 or 22, um, but you can, you, can, you can get over there. You can play some of them. You can play, try some new ones. And the new ones are going to open your eyes to some things that you, maybe you didn't know about the destination before. Right. And the intent, obviously, is not to discourage someone from, from going just because it's, it may be a little bit busier, but to actually encourage maybe taking a different viewpoint than you might have in terms of a trip to, to Scotland or Ireland. Absolutely. It, it's, you know, an educated consumer is your best ally. And if nothing else from, from, from this entire exercise with the authentic collection uh, is, is just raising the profile of some of these courses. Uh, the Greenside Chats have been terrific at telling the story so that, you know, one part that, that I, I notice is that, you know, many times people might go over and play seven rounds of golf in seven days. And uh, they don't. They, they might not spend as much time kind of smelling the roses and and uh, understanding the nuances of different clubs. And so you know, with that, these greenside chats have been able to kind of give people the opportunity, if they want to, to understand some of the history, what made it what it is, why it, why was it built there? Waterville was built where it is because of uh, uh, you know the the the, the transatlantic uh, tele telegraph line. Um, and, and different golf courses were built for different reasons in different locations. And, you know, the history of why the logo at Pan Muir is a scallop. I mean, it's, 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 it's small things, but it's all these different touch points that, that add up to the overall experience. The golf season roughly is April to October um, over there. What can you expect when you go at different points of the year, like, if you're going to go right at the beginning in April, what what kind of uh, weather? What what are what are the expectations there versus maybe later in the season? You know the what the one thing about uh, British weather it's is unpredictable and it's unpredictable by week, by day, and by month. Um, so really, you know what it, the the single thing that the only thing that I can actually assure you of with respect to the uh, outside experience in the UK is the amount of uh, daylight. Once you get to the middle of June, you get the longest day of the year. The weather can be uh, can be changeable. Probably, if, if it's kind of on a bell curve, if you want, um, you know, April is going to be more changeable than May, than 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 June, than July, and then as you go into the back end of the year, it starts to kind of pick back up again. 
the, the, but now I think historically September is one of the driest months of the year. Um, but, but that all being said, it can change and there's no assurance. So my best advice to people is go when it's, uh, it works for your schedule. Because, you know, if you say, well, my, my neighbor went three years ago in the second week of August and he had fabulous weather. I mean, you're probably setting yourself up to be disappointed. Uh, but, you know, through the it's golf in the British Isles, it's an outdoor sport. You just you, you, you plan for it. It's part of the experience. Probably some of our clients have come back and enjoyed a week of uh, perfect weather, sunny, no breeze, feel a little bit cheated. Um, because they, they they had their rain gear and their umbrellas ready, but uh, so there's it's April through October, and uh, you know go when it makes sense for yourself. I know that feeling of almost wanting to have that experience, right? Where <laughs> I well, I went to Bandon Dunes uh, last year, and, and I went out there like I want to get absolutely dumped on, like maybe not every day, but but one of the yeah. days, like let me just let me have it. Yeah, no, no, it's like uh, I've, I've brought this rain gear with me. I want to get, get a little bit wet. I want to come inside. I want to uh, take my rain gear off and dry off and have a couple of glasses of whiskey to warm up around a roaring fire. And if I don't do that, I feel as though I've missed some of the sights and sounds. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a bit of a quandary at times. <clears throat> Where did you grow up playing in Scotland and how did that you know, shape your view of golf? You know, I, I uh, started playing golf when I was seven at a golf course called Helensburgh Golf Club, which was literally diagonally across the street from our family home. Uh, Helensburgh is uh, on the River Clyde, on the other side of the river, farther up than Troon and Turnbury. But it's uh, an inland golf course, or rather it looks out over the river from the, uh, a location behind this, the town, uh, designed by old Tom Morris in 1893, as I recall, um, you know, 6,000-yard golf course. And uh, that's where I played all the time. I played in some golf tournaments around Scotland. The Scottish boys at Dunbar, I mentioned. Um, and, you know, I, I took lessons every every Sunday for, for seven years. And it's kind of through that that uh, you kind of, you, you, you've got an appreciation for the game. You know, there was no driving ranges. If I wanted to go practice, I had to shag my own golf balls. You know, there was a, a, a practice area. Um, you know, you go out and you, you try to hit different golf shots, flight the ball, although it was not on the, on the coast, you know, the weather was the number of times that I've played in bad weather, probably uh, lessons that my desire to play in bad weather now, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, just an appreciation for the game and for the characters, you know, Helensboro golf club was a very much of a mixing point of society. You had from butchers and bakers to train drivers to, to doctors, to leaders of, of industry. And uh, it's just, it, it really, you know, taught me how much golf is just that terrific blend of people and characters. I know you mentioned earlier that, I think you said it was Rosa Pena was the first hotel, golf yep. hotel. Are there, are there other kind of landmark things, pubs or, or hotels like that, different um, sites that, you would encourage people to see uh, if they made their way around some of these courses in, in your authentic collection? Yeah. I, I mean, so, so there's, you know, if I use, you know, the Northwest of Ireland, which has got, you know, just a, a huge history with, with pubs and, and, and general social meeting places, 
you know, while there's, there's none that particularly come directly to mind, the great thing about an, a, a region like that, that is, that is, is you're, you're very likely, you go into any pub, you finish up around a golf at Naran Port New or Ross Apenna, you walk into the pub, you will, you will very likely meet somebody that's a member that's grown up there, their entire life there. They tell you stories about it. They're a character. And that's what it's all about. Um, you know, up at Cruden Bay, for example, on a, in a slightly different direction, the castle there, Bram Stoker, he used it as a, the basis for his for, for his his famous book. And so, you know, there's there's again it the there's there's a, a museum that they've built at Cruden Bay that was supposed to open this past year um, that kind of recounts the history of it. At Cruden Bay, interestingly, if Rossapena is the first golf hotel in the world. Uh, has enjoyed its 125th year anniversary a couple of years ago. Cruden Bay was was possibly the second. Uh, it did not survive the Second World War, but uh, it was built in the late 18, 1890s, a short time after Rossapena. I mean, so there's there's things that are you know interesting if if you enjoy that type of thing. And uh, so I would, you know, the, the best advice is to go in with open eyes and open ears. And enjoy the moment. And I think we've probably all learned that more than anything else in the last 12 months. Uh, live in the moment. Don't get kind of focused on tomorrow. Uh, enjoy today. Find out about it. Stop. Talk to people. Uh, and enjoy, uh, enjoy what you're experiencing. That is a great message. Uh, if, if someone wants to find you or, or your company and, and figure out a way to start planning a trip like this, what is the easiest way to do that? Several ways. One, the website is just perrygolf.com. Uh, email is expert at perrygolf.com. Our 800 number is uh, 800-344-5257. Um, agents always uh, delighted to assist, very knowledgeable, uh, can kind of marry up expectations and reality. But if you go to our website and kind of look through the authentic collection, and get some ideas of and, and, and discover about some of the golf courses you might not be familiar uh, is always a good way of, uh, of uh, like I said, an educated consumer's our best ally. Last question for me. Do you know the next time you'll be uh, across the pond? And what's the first thing you'll do when you get back to your, your home country? You know, that's a, that's a, a terrific question. I, uh, it's my mother's 90th birthday in May. And I hope that I'm able to get back for that. Um, at least that's the, that's the plan currently. Uh, in terms of what's the first thing that I do, I will probably, uh, I probably will uh, go into a, a pub and have a drink. Um, and assuming that uh, the, the social distancing is not too prevalent, but uh, just to uh, hear the sights and sounds and uh, get back to a little bit of normal. But that, that might be delayed, but I'll certainly be glad if I can go back into the UK sometime uh, sooner than later, even if I've got to put up with some uh, restrictions uh, on that first visit. Sure. Do you have a specific pub and a specific drink in mind when you make that happen? You know what? When, when I, I, I've always, uh, a pint of lager is, uh, is nice, but I've always had to put a little bit of lime cordial with it just to kind of uh, deaden some of the sharpness. So a pint of lager and lime, and uh, probably any pub would be just fine. All right, great. Well, I hope you can do that soon. In, in the meantime, stay safe in North Carolina uh, and enjoy your time there. 
and hopefully you get back across for your your mother's birthday in may but thank you again for joining me and i look forward to to one day you know i think this is the way for me to do it um i've read about some of these courses that aren't as well known and obviously on my first trip to scotland i want to play st andrews and and maybe one more but i kind of want to dive into the the culture and the the lesser known side of things too. So I appreciate you giving me kind of a background on what that might look like. Um, and hopefully that's inspired some of our listeners to do the same or to at least, at least do your research um, and figure out if it's something you might like to do. Al, it has been my pleasure chatting with you as always. And I hope that you have a, uh, have a good rest of the uh, rest of the week. Thank you, sir. Take Sounds care. Good. All right. Cheers.